The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul Lacoste, my partner in crime this afternoon. Well, this evening, depending where you are, Jared Timms, our resident minor league expert, draft expert, the guru. I just want to throw names at you, man. How you doing? I'm not doing too bad. It's been a it's been a long day. Day two of the draft. It's it's uh, it started at ten, didn't end till about two thirty. Finally, was able to eat, and it's just it was just been a long day. And we got another long day tomorrow with another what ten picks, basically. 10 picks, and the Angels did something I've never seen them do today. I've never seen them take all pitchers with their first 10 picks. I've oh. never seen it. Is it 11 uh, it, picks? Was it first 11? No, it's first, first 10 picks. First 10. You're right there. And it, it, honestly, when you look at it, it's, it's nothing new. I just I, I had to look it up because, I mean, in the Billy Epler era, 2016, it took them 30 rounds to get to 10 pitchers. In 2017, it took them 13 rounds to get to 10 pitchers. In 2018, it took them 12 rounds to get to 10 pitchers. In 2019, again, it took them 13 rounds. This year, it took them 10 rounds to get to the 10 pitchers. And yeah, in 2019, Billy Epler, or basically Billy Epler's last full draft, the Angels went the third round to 21st round. They picked 17 pitchers and 12 in a row in that in in, in that draft between rounds five and 16. So I know this wasn't, this isn't, you know, this weird is kind of weird that the angels took 10 straight pitchers, but this honestly really isn't anything new. The angels have done it quite a few times in the past. And honestly, when you're looking at the minor leagues now and you're looking at top, you know, 30, top 40 draft or top 30, top 40 um, prospect charts for the angels, the angels have a lot of pitching on there. And it's a lot from that, from that era, along with a lot of international, talent as well but yeah we're seeing the angels produce a lot of interesting pitching down in the minors right now so again nothing new here with the angels taking pitching this is i, I don't know why everybody's tripping out about it like, well because this is 10 out of 10 you everything you were 10 out of 13 10 out you know 10 out of 12 you know, 10 out of 30 and we know they're going to take a lot of pitchers but they haven't even sniffed they haven't even sniffed a hit right now 
No, exactly, exactly. Ten out of ten is 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 really impressive. I, I definitely didn't see him doing that. I think Angels, uh, uh, who was it? The head of scouting, Matt Swanson, came out after the draft and said they weren't planning on taking ten of ten pitching, but it just kind of fell that way. They saw a lot of good college pitching, and again, we saw it. The Angels, Angels took half of their pitchers are top two hundred fifty draft prospects according to MLB Pipeline, and. You know, it's it's very very interesting. I'm I'm pretty excited because this is this is my thing. I, I love the pitching side of things. If it was the hitting side of things, I might refer to Taylor Blake Ward a little bit. But I'm I'm glad I got to cover this one, and it, it's it's very interesting what the Angels have done. Well, let's talk about. It. I mean, yesterday you did a show on the Bachman pick. For those who haven't listened to it, but without giving away the full gist of everything you talked about, what's the basis on Bachman? Oh, Bachman's super interesting. It's power arm. It's you know, the velo is going to be there. Very, very good slider. I, I supposedly one of the best sliders in this draft, which is super cool. And he has a slider that he's been working on. I just saw some video on it and it looks really good. So it's a three pitch mix. There's a chance that he comes up this year as a reliever. He is not actually a reliever, but there's a chance that he could come up if the Angels need him, along with Reed Detmers, who could probably be a reliever at some you know, capacity too. But back to Bachman, he's going to be a starter. They're going to make him a starter. And it's it's a good pick. I, I really did like it. I know there were other players around, and I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but there were definitely other players that the Angels could have taken. But Bachman is not a bad pick. So now, one thing about Bachman that we saw a lot yesterday was, well, he really only has two good pitches. Well, let's clarify, what pitches does he have? He's got the fastball. He's got the slider, which is very good. Both, I, I've seen some people rank it up into the 70s on the 80, 2080 scale, which is very, very good. I, I don't know if it's that. I'd probably guess it's 65 on the fastball and 60 on the slider, but still very, very good, both above average, if not plus pitches. And then he's got the changeup, which is a work in progress, but I think that there is something there. Like I said, I saw some video. It's a upper 80s, maybe mid the upper 80s changeup, and with the velo, it, it you know it plays really well. I, I, I kind of like it. I'm, I don't want to say I'm falling in love with it, but I, I do like what Bachman has. It's, it's interesting. It really, really is. So, Kumar Rocker. The thing with him has been, this is what, the, this is what if you look all over social media, especially because we, we know how much Angels fans talk on social media, Kumar Rocker was the one guy that folks zeroed in on as pick nine fell. And as they got to pick nine, they take Bachman. He's not the guy Angels fans wanted. Kumar Rocker is the name that kept coming up. Why didn't they take Kumar Rocker? Why didn't they take Kumar Rocker? The Mets take him after that and have a higher dollar amount they can pay. I know you went into it last night, but the slotting. Explain, please. Well, one, why the Angels weren't cheap for making this call instead of going after Kumar. Okay, and two, why the Mets were able to afford Kumar Rocker. Yeah, I think Bachman here is going to get relatively close to what the slot is going to be, which is the Angels are at $4.95 million. That That is the slot value. That is what is anticipated to be paid. And the Angels only have, I believe it's, close to 11 million dollars maybe a little bit less than that it could be eight actually it might be eight now i'm thinking about it it could be about eight million dollars to spend on 
the entire well entire draft basically. And Kumar Rocker signed today for six million dollars. So that would mean the Angels only have roughly two to three million dollars to spend on the rest of their draft if they would have went and drafted and eventually signed Kumar Rocker. So you look at and you talk you asked me this before and I kind of explained it, but you look at what the Mets did today. Or they signed Kumar Rocker six million dollars. Already went over that. You look at what they did today. They went very, very under slot with their second round pick. I'm kind of blanking on who it was, and they'll probably pay him close to a million dollars less. Where the Angels here today went slightly under slot, and they're not going to. They're probably not going to play Kai Bush, who they took in the second round, that one point six five million dollars. They'll probably pay him closer to one point five, maybe a little bit less. They'll probably kick the money down to their ninth overall pick, Braden Orthoff. And I, you know, it's it's very interesting how it works. And and I tried to put this out there a lot before the draft happened. Money talks. It's all about money. It, that's kind of how it is, you know, in the world. Money talks. And the Angels didn't feel comfortable with spending the $6 million on Kumar Rocker in the first round. And now this is where we're at with it. The Angels decided instead to take... 10 pitchers in a row and probably spend closer to the slot value on these guys and see what they can, what they can do with these guys. And honestly, I, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to know how some of these guys are going to look down the minors. And I'm hoping I'm, we're going to get a chance to see some of these guys in, in Inland Empire really, really soon. Now the thing about, you didn't actually answer the question though. What makes the angels not cheap here? I don't know if it doesn't make them cheap because you can look at it. You can look at it two ways. And Nate Green, who was on the podcast with me last night, continues to put this in my head. Now you look at these picks. The Angels definitely could have probably gotten Kumar Rocker and gotten these exact same guys, maybe some other guys in the mix because they did go under slot a little bit here and there. And it'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow. So were the Angels cheap? Maybe. I'm going to be honest here with you. They might have been a little bit cheap here. They could have probably gotten Rocker and a couple other guys that the Angels have picked here today as I'm looking at all 10 of these. So I I don't think it doesn't not make them cheap. I I mean, I think they're right on par with everybody else. I don't know. It's a a difficult question. I I think they are a little bit cheap here, but I don't think it's it's that bad. I, I think that they made the right call here. I don't think I would have gone a million plus over the slot to get Kumar either. Cause I think Bachman's going to be a very similar pitcher when you look at the value standpoint. So were the angels being cheap? Yes. No, I, it's, it's still up in the air to ask, ask me in three, four years when these guys, when Bachman and, and rocker are pitching against each other in the world series, hopefully. So it's, it's too early to call. Yeah. I, I think it's way too early to call. I it's yeah, it's we're day two of the draft, two hours removed from, the 10th overall pick. We're not even done with this draft yet. Yeah, I think it's just too early to call. Like, I mean, you just never know. Bachman, and I said this on the podcast last night with Nate, is you just don't know. Bachman could get hurt. Rocker could get hurt. I mean, we're talking about pitchers here. We're talking about, you know, how many times has an Angels pitcher gotten hurt over the past four years, five years that could have probably pushed them into the playoffs? You know, like, it, it, anything can happen, and, and pitching is a very difficult thing because a lot of pitchers get hurt. And Tommy John and some of these guys that we're talking about have already had Tommy John. So I'm, I, I it's it's very interesting. Like I said, I, I don't think they're not cheap. I think that 
it's just going to take some time to figure out, you know, how this all plays out. So moving forward really quick, folks, before we get into the rest of these picks, I want to ask you to just head over to Apple Music, subscribe. If you could, leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. And also, if you're not quite in the mood to leave that five-star review, if you want to see something for our podcast that we're not giving you, please email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback there. You know where we can meet all your angels' needs, okay? Also, so we'll take a quick break for our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so second round here. Second round, Kai Bush, St. Mary's College, a left-hander. What can you tell us about him? Big, big, big lefty, super interesting, very easy arm angle, should I say. Kai Bush will sit 90 to 96 miles an hour. The fastball is heavy, like I said before. It's, it's a real fun arm slot, super loose and easy. The ball kind of just, you know, just explodes out of his hand. He has an above-average slider that splashes plus at times and a a get-me-over curveball and a changeup, which is still a work in progress. And, you know, it's a very interesting left-handed pitcher, and I think that there's a good chance that he probably will remain a starter, if not a a, a pretty high-leverage reliever for the Angels down the road. So I I like the pick. It's it's, It's a good pick here. So... What pitches do you have again? Fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. He's got the four four pitch mix. Okay. And in your view, where does he project? I think he's a starter. I, I think that he's a back of the rotation starter, but I do think he's a starter to some degree, if not in the bullpen. A lot of what the Angels have are already honestly have. So and you look at you look at pitching. And a lot of teams get lucky with pitching. Like, is did the Angels draft the next Jake DeGrom at some point in here? There's a possibility, definitely. You know, the, the, the Mets drafted Jake DeGrom in the ninth round. So 
at some point you'd have to think that the Angels get lucky with some type of pitching and and they get some type of superstar Jared Walsh type of guy here late in the draft. So do I think at, at the moment Kai Bush probably projects as a back of the rotation starter? How about Landon Marceau, third rounder? Yeah, Marceau's another guy. I, I think it's pretty similar to what Kai Bush has, a little bit less on the velocity there. He is a right-handed pitcher. He'll throw the uh, he'll throw a fastball, a slider, and a changeup is, I believe, what the report was on him. I take that back. He also yeah, fastball, slider, and changeup. He also has a curveball. Curveball is actually his best secondary pitch. So another four mix guy. Fastball is 90-92. He'll top off at 94. So I think I'll address this now because we'll kind of see it as it goes on. The Angels kind of trending the opposite direction. Not a lot of big arms that got drafted. More command guys. And and right here with uh, Landon Marchaud, this is exactly you know that type of guy. Now, they did draft a couple big arms, and we'll see it here at four with, with Luke Murphy. But back onto the third pick. Yeah, it's it's going to be a starter, probably a back of the rotation guy, and just more of what the Angels have to to continue to produce a college pitcher that's going to move quickly. So my, my I'm curious here because what we're seeing now in today's major baseball, a lot of arms get 97, 98, 99, getting to the minors. You you didn't see all these arms that are able to do that, and I'm wondering if the Angels are going out there and getting command guys that they believe they can increase velocity in the minors. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't know if it's an increase of velocity. I think it's just, and we'll see an increase of velocity on majority of these guys. I I'd say like even this year, we've seen an increase in velocity with Reed Detmers kicking it up into the 95 to 96 range. Uh, But you know, I I think that the key here is the angels are drafting a lot of guys with good command and, and we've seen them do it in the past too. Like, a couple guys that come to mind already is Cooper Criswell and Kyle Tyler, who are in double A for the Angels. We haven't seen big, you know, velocity jumps, but those guys are low low nineties guys. Kyle Tyler is a low eighties or upper eighties guy with good command. And again, these are a couple of these guys that have the good command. And again, hoping that maybe we do see a velo kick in in a couple of these guys and see what what happens. And Kai Bush is a perfect example of that. We've seen ninety to ninety six from him. Now, how can you consistently get it to up in that 94 to 96 range, maybe touching 97 at times? Not saying that he can do that, but but can you produce him into doing that? And that is what the minor leagues is all about. That's what makes it fun. So very two very interesting pitchers here in the second and third round for sure. All right, Luke Murphy. Now, Luke Murphy was ranked 219. They pick up 110, so they obviously felt like they this is a guy they like. Not necessarily, not necessarily a player that the rest of the league likes. Where does he sit with you? Yeah, I I like it. It's a big arm. It's going to be a bullpen arm for sure. He's got he had Tommy John coming out of high school going into Vandy. The fastball this year has been ninety three to ninety six. He's kicked it up to ninety nine. So like I said, big arm. I know we just talked about like the command and velocity, but this was one of those picks that kind of went away from what I felt like the Angels did in this entire draft, and they went more of Let's see if we can get ourselves an actual reliever and see what happens. He also has a power curveball that sits in the low to mid 80s. He can overthrow it at times and it, and it flattens out. I'd probably call it more of a slider in a sense. He also has a mid 80s changeup with some good fade and sink, a high three quarter arm slot. Like I said, he's probably a reliever, but this goes completely away from what we originally saw with the first, I guess, 
two and a half picks because Bachman has pretty good command too. But definitely with Kai Bush and, and Landon Marshall for sure. All right, so Murphy, I, I and I saw your, your your Twitter. You thought definitely possibly their their future closer. And looking at the tools he has, you might be right. I don't know if he's a closer, but I definitely think that he is a reliever for the Angels at some point. A big arm, as long as he stays healthy. I know that you are a big you know, fan of looking back at injuries, and this is one of those guys that already has had, has had Tommy John surgery, and you know that could be a foreseeable thing with arm injuries. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the velocity is and if he can sit consistently in the mid to uppers instead of you know, kicking it down into that 92 to 93 range from time to time. Now, next guy up. This one surprised me a little bit, too. I didn't expect it to happen, but Brett Carey, South Carolina, six foot 213. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Brett Carey is another guy who I, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, he's not ranked. Why are the Angels picking him? And then you look at, well, this guy, you know, was pretty good. South Carolina in a very they're in the SEC if I'm not mistaken correct yeah yeah they're in the SEC and you know he appeared in 17 games he started three of them to a 2.15 ERA he had 84 strikeouts and 10 walks kind of an interesting story with with Kerry here he started in the bullpen finished the season as a starter was one of South Carolina's best pitchers after quite a few of their pitchers got hurt and were out for a little while. And I actually I want to say that South Carolina had a COVID issue at nearing the end of the season, and he really kind of stepped up for them and pushed them into a regional, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could totally be wrong, but onto the specs, uh, low 90s fastball with uh, Brett Carey. He'll throw a mid 80s slider and an upper 70s curveball. I think he also has a changeup from what I saw as well, which will sit in the mid to upper 80s. And again, four pitch mix. There's good command there. We saw it with only 10 walks. And you got to hope that at some point you see maybe a little kick in velo and the Angels get a little lucky with, with somebody like this. And somebody who wasn't even ranked by, by the Angels. But if you talk to a lot of uh, Gamecock fans down in South Carolina, you'll, you'll know that they wanted this guy ranked. And I saw a lot of people very surprised that he wasn't ranked by more, by more outlets. So he could have been on Baseball America or Fangraphs. I, I didn't look at that. But according to Pipeline, he's not ranked. And Again, probably an int- uh, uh, somebody who should have been ranked but wasn't. All right, so Jake Smith, Miami, Florida, six foot four, one ninety, Warrior Junior. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, Smith. Uh, I, I think the trend here is uh, college pitching at this point. I think we're going to talk about a lot more college pitching as we continue to roll down here. But uh, you'll see the fastball, you'll see the slider, and we'll see the changeup from. Jake Smith also like the name. It's a very easy, you know, easy name to look at. Easy name. So uh, the sliders is best secondary pitch for sure. I've heard it's probably closer to a fifty-five or sixty on the slider. Kind of a funky delivery. Honestly, kind of reminded me a little bit of Sam Bachman in the delivery. It's kind of a weird arm angle, and the velocity's not there. And and don't quote me here and say that Jared said the Angels got another Sam Bachman in the sixth round. No. <laughs> it's a very similar arm slot from them, kind of a low three quarters, a little bit of a max effort guy. I think he's in the bullpen as a reliever to some potential, maybe as a longer reliever. But again, this is somebody that the Angels have 
basically kind of sitting in double A already. Some longer relievers, guys who might be able to make a spot start. And the fastball's been up to 97 too. So there's a chance we see maybe a tick up in the velocity and or hopefully be consistent in that 95 to 97 range. All right, so next guy up. Again, we're, this is the team went pitching for today. 10 out of 10 for pitchers. Ryan Cousteau from Arkansas. Yes, Ryan caught. I think it's Ryan Costu. I could be wrong. I, we're going to butcher these. Yeah, yeah, I, I get my I, best I, shot. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I, I heard Costu, but it, it is what it is. So he he'll sit in the low 90s with the fastball. He'll kick it up to 95 again. Another guy who didn't have great command during the season. He um, had 40 strikeouts and 15 walks. He had a 5.10 ERA. But I'm telling you guys now, don't look at the stats. He was in. He pitched for Arkansas. I believe, yeah, he pitched for Arkansas, one of the best teams in the nation. So he faced a lot of really good hitters, and he has an upper 70s curveball, which is his best pitch. A really good curveball, too. I, I really liked it. I saw some video on it. He also has a changeup that he's been working on with some good depth, probably just an average pitch. But, again, curveball is definitely his best secondary pitch, and I suggest you don't look at the numbers when you look at somebody like this. Okay. Nick Jones, Georgia Southern. Yes, Nick Jones. Another fun name, Big Lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 6'6", 210 pounds. Very good command from the left side. If I, the Angels pick somebody out of Duke, I'm totally forgetting who, who they picked uh, a couple years back. He was 6'9". I can see his face. I just forgot the name. But kind of very similar to that. The fastball is going to sit 88 to 93 with some running as a changeup in the low 80s and a curveball in the mid-70s. Nothing crazy there. He could possibly stay a starter when it's all said and done, but I think that he is a reliever. If you look at his stats, he had a 1.48 ERA, 67 strikeouts, and just five walks from the left side. So command, command, command still, Derek. Braden Olthoff from Tulane, 6'4", 228, so he's a big boy. Was ranked yes. 182. Angels came at 261 in the ninth round. Yep, Olaf is very fun, really good command of everything he's got the fastball which is going to be 88 to 91 tops off at about 93 with some sink an above average slider again when you're looking at when you're looking at these guys i think slider is a big thing to keep an eye on too because i think i've said it with almost each of these pitchers they all have a slider and they all have a pretty dang good one so as we roll forward here slider 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 seems to be the the big thing and you might also know this guy because he was featured in a big john boy you know thing that happened in uh, he was pitching a great game for Tulane. The opposing team went out. I think it might have been Clemson or something like that. Went out and said, hey, I think he's using pine tar to try to throw him off. And, you know, he just continued to just carve up whoever he was he was pitching against. But real good command. He had 91 strikeouts and 11 walks this season in 78.2 innings for Tulane. Last guy, Andrew Peters from South Carolina. So two South Carolina pitchers in, in the uh, top 10 for them. 6'2", 191. Yep. Big arm again. Don't I wouldn't look too much at the at the stats though. He still had good stats in 32.1 innings. He pitched to a 3.62 ERA. Big arm. Fastball's been up to 98. He's another guy who had I believe some arm trouble coming out of high school. Might have already had Tommy John. I, I can't confirm that though. But yeah, big arm. Fastball is mid 90s. Can run. Can also run it. He also has a really good slider. Definitely going to be a bullpen piece. Definitely somebody to look forward to in the future. So 
again, all these guys could definitely see them playing some type of role at the big league level for the Angels and pitching, pitching, pitching. So overall, your assessment of this top 10 here, how well do you think the Angels did compared to the rest of the league? Uh, how well do you think they did for their farm system with this? Um, we know they needed pitching. Did they get the right guys in your view? Yeah, I, I think when we look at it, I think the top three picks are going to slide in nicely uh, to my top 40 list. After that, it's it's going to be have to be discussed with some people whether or not I put some of these guys in. I think that Olthoff might probably find his way into the top my top 40 mix just because he has starting. Um, compared to the other rest of the league, I mean, you look at what the Pirates did, that's, that's damn impressive what they were able to do. Other than that, I really haven't looked too much at the rest of the league. And, and what they were able to do. I know teams are going to have good drafts. Teams are going to have bad drafts. And it's it's going to take time to really know what teams did. You know, on paper, I like what the Angels did. I think the Angels got some pretty good pitchers here. I, I think that we're just going to have to wait and see how everything plays out and what the money means and also what comes about of it tomorrow, too. So the Angels might get some some more interesting players tomorrow and see. I mean, there's no way they make it 20 of 20 with pitching, right? I don't know, man. <laughs> there's that's, been such a need for pitching in this farm system and there's also a need for catching though now, I, I, I have to think they would at least take a catcher at some point if it fits where they're getting players here's the thing like, there's a, there is a need for pitching and, and I get that but they, I think my top 40 list probably has 25 pitchers on it so more than half of my top 40 list is pitching and I, I just you know, I, I, I get it, you know, without getting into a you know a big argument or a big Billy Epler conversation about this whole thing, I, I get everybody's need of pitching and, and everything like that. And everybody wants the pitching, but like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have gone with some different picks here and there. And I think a lot of people know where that would have been. And I'm, I'm not going to criticize anybody for it because it, it's just going to take time to see, you know, Bachman, the Angels... And, and I'm quoting the Angels on this. They view Bachman as a Justin Verlander type of guy, which the stuff is there. I don't think the cur- he has the curveball, but he definitely has the stuff to be that good. And I, I, we'll just have to wait and see. I think I think only time tells. Like we we don't know we don't even know about last year's draft. Like what's Reed Detmer is going to do at the major league level? Everybody's already out on Joe Adele, though he's only played 30 games at the major league level. Brandon Marsh is a 2016 second round pick who still hasn't made his major league debut yet, but is one of the top prospects in the angel system. I mean, it's just going to take time to see how this draft actually rolls out. And heck, maybe the angels have a, a Jake DeGrom type guy waiting in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth rounds. We, we just don't know. I mean, I think it depends on what kind of changes they have made in their development process. And, you know, even from the fan perspective, there isn't really anybody who would be who started the year in double A AA or triple A who had you thinking, okay, this is going to be a guy who's going to make a difference quickly here. So when you get that overall view of the farm system, you're thinking, yeah, we need pitching. Because why? Because all the good, fresh, young arms that we think may make a difference at some point in the major league level are all lower than double A, or at least started the year that way. It won't end the year that way. It will not end the year that way. But that's how the year started. And so I think it's really easy to think, okay, well, they need pitching. What we found out, though, Jared, is 
you will always need pitching. You're always needing the draft pitching. The Astros, even though they're they're hammering it out right now, they lost some serious pitching this year, and sooner or later they're going to pay for that. They had to trade away arms to get guys like Verlander to begin with. Eventually, you pay the price when those pitchers run out, and so the Angels, I think, are trying to form basically a chain of of pitching: one to be able to trade, and two to be able to put in this roster and make a difference because. I mean, if we look at this team right now, outside of injuries, what's the big problem with the team? Pitching. Injuries? That's what I said, outside of injuries. Pitching. More injuries. <laughs> I don't know. I think that pitching is definitely the the issue. We don't have to get into this right now. We don't have to. We can. I mean, what's a good disagreement? I mean, yeah, I mean, injuries are a big part of it. You're missing Mike Trout, you're missing Anthony Rendon, you're, you're missing basically three, three of your four top sluggers. For at least half the year, if not more, that's a problem. And yet you're still scoring, what, top 10 in the league? Imagine how good, that, how where this team would be if they had everybody. Even with their bad pitching, they would be able to overcome that. They would put their pitchers in different positions if, they had, if they're able to score even more. So, yeah, injuries, in my view, are a big part of it. But we can't ignore the pitching too, man. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. I think that the pitching has been very inconsistent. But I also think that the type of pitching that is put out there in times, without saying that there have been some not great decisions that have been made when it comes to who is in the game, you know, I, I think, I, like I said, I don't want to start that argument because there's no stats to prove it. There's nothing like that. But I do think that. You know, there have been some times where there should be different pitchers in games and the Angels have lost games because those different pitchers aren't in games. And it seems to still be happening. It happened last year. It's happening this year. And and you look at the Angels pitching on paper and, you know, we, we've said this. We think that they don't have a bad pitching staff by any means. But we think that they might be put into some difficult situations at times. If you get what I'm saying without me actually saying it. I mean, I think they have been, but you're still you're still major league pitchers. You still oh, you still have to perform. Yeah, you know, you need to be able to get out of some of these situations, and it, and it doesn't help when Dylan Bundy, who was a star last year, is having troubles this year. Uh, Jose Quintana, granted, on a one year deal, coming off injuries and everything, isn't pitching like Jose Quintana of three years ago. And Alex Cobb has been the best pitcher on the staff, and Shohei Otani has been Shohei Otani, but. Regardless, I mean, do you think this team should be a 500 team at the moment? I think they should be a 500 team or more. I think, honestly, I think given the problems they've had, Joe Madden has done a a solid job. How do you have three of your best players on the injured list? Oh, 100%. I think that, like, we... I, my, this was, like, perfect Mike Sosha talk, by the way, because Sosha did a heck of a job with being able to get guys to do their, like, it, I don't like to compare Sosha and Madden, but I mean, Madden was groomed, or Madden was groomed by Sosha, basically. So it's very similar, their styles and, and everything that happened. And, and it's, we don't have to get on to Sosha talk, but, but Sosha did a very good job of being able to do this, which was get the most out of his players on a yearly basis and turn average teams into great teams. And I think that Madden is doing that this year as as well. 
I just think that sometimes there have been pitchers put in some difficult spots that shouldn't be in those difficult spots, and just my two cents on it. I mean, I, I'd agree. <laughs> I'd agree. But that's going to happen across baseball. And we've seen some bright things, too, in the first half of the year. I mean, we'll, we'll cover this more in this couple days as we get deeper in the All-Star break, but there are some positives. And I think a big positive is, is, if, is if Rendon and Trouty and Upton come back and perform reasonably well in the second half, this is going to be a good second half for the Angels. They're not going to be a 100-win team or anything, but to be at 500 as you head into this break and you've got three of your best players out, three out of four, all of whom are capable of hitting 30-plus home runs in a season and driving 100 runs. The sky is the limit given the schedule this Angels team has, and that would take a lot of pressure off these pitchers, by the way. Just want to point that out. Definitely, 100%. I, I, I think it's a byproduct of everything, you know, and it's been a byproduct. Like, we, we can't make excuses for this long, can we? I feel like we've been making excuses for the past five years with everything that's going on. If it's not injuries, it's bullpen. If it's not the bullpen, it's starting pitching. If it's not starting pitching, it's the offense, and it's kind of like a game, gamely thing. Like, if we were to look at how many games the Angels have won and everything has showed up, like the Angels have given up three or less runs and, and they've scored six or more runs, I'm sure it's not very many. Or they've played like, and I ever quote this, like quality baseball per se. I, I'm sure it hasn't been that many. So, you know, like at some point we run out of those excuses, right? At some point you do. There are... There are... There are things about the Angels since that 2014-2015 season that just drive you nuts. There are things about the team where you're thinking, oh my gosh, how did they they mess this up? Then there's the other side, which are the, hey, holy crap. How are, the, how are they having major injuries every year? Every freaking year. I, I can't remember injuries like this to one club consistently over the course of a five-year span. But, Mets, I mean, we've got to be Mets. on it. <laughs> Say what? The Mets, maybe? Mets, maybe, yeah. Uh, I just looked down the line and also think, but on the flip side of it, where Billy Epler had to restock the farm system, there there were successes in there. And I know people just love them some Billy Epler, but believe it or not, he does have some successes in there. He did make some good decisions. The problem is, from what we saw, and maybe that's changing now a little bit too late, he didn't really draft any stars. Remember, did he, did he draft Walshie? Uh, I yes, I think that was his last last his first draft. He got Walsh. That could okay. be Depoto's last draft, though. I could be wrong. It might be Depoto's last draft. It's in that it's in that weird range where like who was Taylor Ward drafted by? Who was Matt that? Who was Matt Thice drafted by? I always I always forget. So it's one or the other. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm starting to think. Well, gee, when they when did they take him? Because uh, that would be well, 2015. Yeah, so 2015 that would be, draft. Uh, that would be Depoto. Depoto's last draft. But then again, Depoto may have drafted him, but he was developed 
in the angel system put together by Epler or revamped by Epler. Yeah. It's just kind of ironic now that, wow, we're seeing him do what he's doing <laughs> at this level now for two years in a row, by the way. I just look at it and think we won't really know the impact that Billy Epler had on this team overall for probably another two years total as these guys worked their way through the minors that he drafted. And then we'll be able to go back and say, hey, you know what? His tenure really was a train wreck. Or his tenure did produce you know, a C grade or a B grade or even an A grade. We'll be able to look back. But right now, we still got guys coming through in a year that was cut off. 2020 was cut off. It's hard to judge. People want to destroy Epler, and he definitely had his failures. Okay, but... We, we know he's had some successes. The big problem I saw was the lack of stars that came through his system. But all of a sudden, maybe we got some stars coming through. Maybe we do. Jared Walsh has been a star at least this first, this first half of the year. Yeah, I just think it's time, I mean, for myself at least, to, to kind of bury that Billy Epler hatchet in a sense, like if that makes sense. I, I, as much as I want to continue to talk about Billy Epler because I was a, you know, a, a Billy Epler activist, I liked him. I thought he did a great job. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of the labor. I think that it's mm-hmm. time to kind of move on. And it's now the Perry Manassian era. And all the guys that are getting developed are Perry Manassian guys. So I, I think that, you know, I, I, as much as I like to talk about Epler and, and kind of point out that, hey, you know, some of these guys are doing good because Epler drafted them or Epler has been producing them. I think it's time to kind of be like, well, it's now the Perry Manassian era. Let's see what Perry can do. And it's it'll, it'll be very interesting. I'm, I'm excited, and I think that I'll still probably talk about Billy Epler a little bit here and there as we see his guys continue to make it to the pros, and it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I, I like to look at it as like college football in a sense. I know that you know it, it takes a new head coach a while to get his recruits up and going, and and you don't see the fruits of the labor for four or five years. You know, I, I kind of look like to look at it that same way. Like you're not going to see the fruits of Billy Epler's labor until this year, next year, the year after, you know, and, and granted you, and we thank Billy, Ep- we thank Billy Epler and we're going to be like, wow, Perry Manassian is doing a great job, but really in the background, you got to think about, Hey, you know, Billy drafted these guys and Perry, you know, has produced these guys into what they are. And the, the development system has been really, really good with pitching. And we've seen what they've done in double A and we've seen you know, what they're, what they've been able to do with some of these guys. And, Hopefully they continue to do it moving forward. I get you have disagreements. Is it fair to say that he had some successes but also had some failures? 100%. I mean, everybody does. Like, I mean, you can point that out anywhere. Like, Joe Madden. Joe Madden's going to have his successes. Joe Madden's going to have his failures. Mike Socia, successes and failures. Everybody has it, you know? It's just the big ones. Like, if Joe Joe Adele comes up this year and hits 25 home runs and – in 50 games for the Angels, we're looking at like, oh man, why did the Angels get rid of Billy Epler? And Marsh comes up and is an all-star. And Reed Detmers comes up and is an all-star. It's like, why did the Angels get rid of Billy Epler? You know, like, that's the way we're going to look at it. Right now, none of these guys are producing. So why would you, you know, why would you think that Billy Epler did a good job? And same thing goes with DePoto. Like, I think DePoto's doing a great job in Seattle. I really do. I think he's doing a great job. And that could change in a couple years if, you know, the clinic doesn't pan out or Julio Rodriguez doesn't pan out. Like it, it goes that way in every direction. So, yeah, I, it's 
it goes back to the time thing. You know, it's going to take time to see how this all develops. Well, I mean, the reason why I kind of try to pinpoint you on that is because it's really one of the things where when you were so big on Epler, everybody knew it. And by the way, I developed him. You know, I developed a little bit of love for him, too. I defended him quite a bit. Yet, it's hard to not notice there were some, there were some issues, right? So, I, I just want to kind of want to see how much balance you got for him, you know? And again, I, I think... I think that we're putting this all on to the GM, which, again, that's kind of like putting it on a manager where, you know, the manager and the GM, they're, they're, ident- they're basically the same thing. The manager is the on-field guy. The GM is kind of the behind-the-scenes guy, but he's the communicator. He does all the communications. You blame the guy. You blame Madden, Epler, or Manassian, and you give them credit, you know? Like, there isn't a – there might be. I don't know. But there's not, like, a – an assistant GM of the year, or there isn't a, a scout of the year award. I mean, there probably is somewhere, but like, we don't see that stuff. We don't see those guys get put into play. We don't see like, there's not an assistant manager or there's not a a hitting coach of the year. You know, there's not a hitting developer of the year award. There's a manager of the year. And those guys get all the credit and they get all the blame. And those are the guys that we see get, get fired. And those are the guys we see, you know, get hired. We don't hear about the background noise so much. So, Yes, we can we can pinpoint it to those guys all all we want to, and I'm kind of shifting this conversation as well, unfortunately. But it it, it has to do a lot with those with who those guys bring in. So maybe you know we're, we could be right, and Billy Epler didn't bring in some good guys. Now, granted, he did. He definitely did. There has been a lot of really good successes with what Epler's guys have done, and the guys that Epler has hired down the minors and scouts and and coaches and everything and I, I know a lot of them and they're they're all great and they do a great job and Manassian's going to do the same thing if he brings in his guys and and you know what happens after Madden and what happens I, I you know you kind of get what I'm saying like it's not just those guys it, it, it's it's an everybody thing so that's why baseball is a team sport wow I'm making this very sentimental I'm sorry <laughs> very very sentimental right I would say that you're allowed to be. That's part of what it means to cover a franchise. And I think you were probably the most sentimental about Billy Epler of all of our team here. And we all wanted him to be successful. We all wanted him to... We, we, I would be thrilled if Permanazzi was still in Atlanta or somewhere else. Because that would mean that Billy Epler found a way through all the muck and matter that was part of the Angels organization at the time. And we also now know what the future, well, what the, actually the past, really the past, and that being that how much did we actually see this guy by the name of, you know, the owner, if we want to say his name, by the name of Artie Moreno, who what we come to find out was a lot harder to work with behind the scenes than we thought. That's problematic, at least to me. So that's all I got to say about that, I guess. I mean, you look at the who's who's the one who's been the one consistent ever ever since. I'm not gonna point it point the fingers, but I mean if you're looking at who's been who who what is the one consistent thing that the Angels have had, minus Mike Trout or Albert Pool <laughs> or any of those guys, who what's the one consistent that has been there since the Angels have struggled? Well, I would say that's gonna be Artie Marino. I mean, not saying that that's it. I, I don't want to like Artie Moreno doesn't have any doesn't have a lot to say. He's he's the owner. He gets his way, hundred percent. 
but I mean that's that's been the one consistent that's that's for sure and like I said not saying that's it not going to blame him by any means and the players have to produce and I think the players know that like Mike Trout's been around enough to to know that you know he's got to they've got to all produce they've got to all stay healthy and I think that players know that and scouts know that and the GM knows that but hey you know you know you know <laughs> you know you know all right well guys it is on my side, we're 12 minutes away from the from the home run derby that started. So it's time for us to roll. It's time for us to get out of here. If you could, again, head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review, send us an email if you want at talkinghalos.com. We want to hear from you. Facebook, Talking Halos. There's a group, the Talking Halos group. And also on Twitter at, can you guess, Talking Halos. Find Jared at Jared underscore Tims, me at DC Apollo. We'd love to interact with you. I actually would be, I've been so much out of the game thus far in terms of social media this year with all, as busy as we've been that, geez, but I really actually be thrilled to chat a little more. So all that said, until tomorrow's show, we're out of here. Have a great one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.